0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents, Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome to the show again today. I I trust you've been tuning in every week and uh, enjoying what we're sharing uh, from the Word of God. Uh, we, We are so appreciative of the response that we've gotten literally from around the world. We really have heard from the Ukraine, from Russia, from Brazil, New Zealand, uh, the Netherlands, uh, uh, Nigeria, all of, you know, all because of the power of a camera and because of you, our faithful partners who've helped us literally reach around the world. Let me say to you very quickly uh, that if you have missed any of our programs, once again, you can go back to our YouTube channel and you can watch us on YouTube. Everything we have aired to date is there and is archived so you can go back and review and study. Uh, there are some churches that are using these materials on Wednesday nights as part of their teaching. Uh, They just simply show one of our programs or two of our programs and then they have a discussion about it. You are welcome to do that. We encourage you. We want to get the word out. We're more interested in getting the word out than anything else. Also, you can, uh, you can uh, go to iTunes and sign up for our podcast because the audio from these programs are there, and you can put them on your iPhone or your iPad. You can also go uh, to our website. There is an RSS feed there that will do your other device like Samsung and some of those. So you can go and, uh, and be able to uh, to listen to the gospel and so many different ways. Also, if you did not know, and you've caught this program in a hotel room, but you don't get the church channel on your cable. You can request it, number one, uh, on your cable company, but number two, if you have a smart TV or a device that can get anything uh, like uh, Netflix or any of those, you can download by going to the store on that device and download TBN's free app. And when you download that app, it will give you all 10 of TBN's channels that you can watch on your smart device or on your smart television. So you can get these channels and enjoy the Word of God uh, and, uh, and, 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 and grow by what we're sharing. We realize that we are sharing something that's different perhaps than maybe other perspectives. I just think it's simply that we need to be able to consider that there's more than one or two views to this. Our posture is not to fight anybody else. We are not enemies with anybody else. We believe that we respect people who have views that are different than ours, but we simply are putting out what we believe God told us to say. And then you have the human prerogative to eat the grapes and spit out the seeds. And uh, we're just encouraged by uh, the responses that we're getting because I believe that when you put this book in its proper context, it will make a whole lot more sense than it does when you've got to twist it and manipulate it and do all kinds of stuff. See, uh, the Word of God's not subjective. It's interpreted by itself. All through the Bible you're going to see through the book of Revelation. The reason this book is in the end of the Bible is because when you get over here you're going to see candlesticks, altars of incense. You're going to see thrones, and you're going to see um, uh, candlesticks. All, All of this stuff that you see in the book of Revelation is somewhere else in the Scripture. Uh, Its typology is unfolded because when God gave Moses the pattern for the tabernacle of Moses, Uh, There was candlesticks in it. There was trumpets. There was uh, uh, what they, what those trumpets meant we shared with you last week, that when the trumpets were sounded they were given to call assemblies, to call the princes, to call to war, to sound an alarm, to celebrate feasts, to blow over the burnt sacrifices. So when you see trumpets sounding you need to number one, find out what kind of a trumpet is it. Is it a silver trumpet? If it is, it's one of redemption. If it's a brass trumpet, it's maybe perhaps one of judgment. If it is a ram's horn, it is an announcement through the death of a male lamb. It is probably a trumpet of jubilee because a ram's horn would come from the death of a male lamb. And when you preach a message through the death of the true male lamb, Jesus Christ, it'll always bring jubilee. It'll always bring redemption. So we're going to jump back in. We've already for two weeks been dealing with the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation. And we're going to go back and deal with it again uh, today. I trust once again that you, uh, if you just jumped in, this is the third message just on the fourth uh, chapter of Revelation. So go back and watch what's archived. But let me start by reading chapter 4, verse 1. It says, After this I looked, behold, a door was opened in heaven. The first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. He that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. They had on their heads crowns of gold, and out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire. Burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne, around about the throne, were four beasts full of eyes, before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had the face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each one of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, and is, and is to come. When those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to Him that sat on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fell down before Him that sat on the throne, and worship Him that lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Now I want to go back and just deal with a few things that I see in this chapter. First of all, what we've dealt with in prior segments is he tells the very last church in the book of Revelation, the church at Laodicea, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in to him, sup with him, he with me, and to him that overcomes, I'll grant him to sit with me in my throne. There's a couple key words here. He's telling the church at Laodicea, I'm knocking on a door. If you overcome, you're going to sit with me in my throne. I don't think it's an accident then that the very next chapter would say, after this. So my response would be, after what? Well, the answer to that is, after you repent. After you change the way you think, it's going to give you access to this throne. Because this voice that was like a trumpet is the same voice that was inviting them, I believe, to supper in the chapter above that. He was inviting them to sit with Him in His throne. I believe the invitation to the believer, to this throne room to this kingdom is more than an invitation to take a geographical flight somewhere to a planet three miles south of Mars. I believe this is an invitation to a dimension uh, of kingdom rulership and authority that is a lifestyle that is one that is higher than we've ever walked in before. And I believe that this rulership is not just for somewhere else, but he he later tells us in the book of Revelation that he's made us kings, and preached unto our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then the Scripture says that because of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in life. He tells them in Ephesians, He hath raised us up together. See, same kind of raised up. He hath raised us up, past tense, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You who were dead in sin, hath He quickened and hath raised us up right now to the place of rulership. I believe in the authority of the believer to rule and reign and to exercise dominion and authority in the earth, because I believe that was God's original mandate. I believe that Jesus in His great commission and His command to His disciples was to make disciples of all nations. I believe it is our job as our mandate to become kingdom exporters and not just kingdom Consumers, that we must go into all the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom. And as we go, we must heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils freely, you've received, freely give. I believe that's the come up hither call that he's talking about here. And it may be as well to include the fact that he called John to a place to see what was going to take place in the future from the perspective of the kingdom. But nevertheless, everything that happens as the release from this throne in chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, is all going to come from the little book that's in the right hand of the one who's seated on the throne. I believe that this little book that's in the right hand of the one that's seated on the throne is the execution of the new covenant. I believe that this, and let me just say why, because unless we go into this, he says, Immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. He that sat was to look upon like a jasper, and a sardine, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now I probably won't get any farther than that today in this segment. But when I see, first of all, I, I did a lot of study on this. I, you a know, matter of fact, probably a lot of my credit for my uh, doctor's degree has come from my work on the book of Revelation, But uh, what I began to study was that these stones that you see being described are the same stones that are on the breastplate of the high priest, which had the names of the twelve tribes of Israel written on the breastplate of the high priest. The high priest would carry them on his heart, just like Jesus, our high priest, would carry us on his heart. Now there's no definitive place where it tells you which stone was what. But if you go in the order of birth, it would be a certain way. And if you would go in the order of the birth mother, it would be another way. So those points are not necessarily points of contention to me. However, I'm just telling you that there's, there, there's options in this. And p- different people have different opinions about it. But the jasper stone, simply what I'm going to deal with is the color of it, because it literally, the jasper was a stone that from my studies as I looked at it yesterday came from a word odom, which means, or we could almost sound it like adam, and it literally means red. There was a red man. There's a red man. There is a man seated on the throne. There is a man right now named Jesus who is the Son of Man and the Son of God, who is seated on the throne. And because He came to the earth, He was both human and divine. He has authority in both dimensions, both the visible and the invisible. So He has the right to rule and reign. All power, He said, is given to me in heaven and in earth. Think about that. And then His immediate response to all power being given to Him was He turned around and said, Go ye. I believe somebody needs to hear a go ye word, go ye. That's why we're doing television. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples out of all nations. See I believe that the kingdom of God must invade everything. I believe we're living in an hour when God is is using us as well as others to wake the church up to our God-given mandate to see the kingdom of God expanded uh, in areas of politics, in areas of education, in areas of entertainment, in areas of finance, in areas of business, every area of our lives. Needs to be affected by the kingdom of God. You may not be called to the ministry, but you might be called into entertainment. You might be called into uh, the business world. If ever we need some kingdom impartation, it's in the business world. I believe a lot of times while we've been rocked to sleep with theologies that have preached this message here and uh, uh, have come up hither to an evacuation type message, is that while we were preparing to leave, there's the enemy was preparing his his subjects to, to, for politics, for, for entertainment. And I believe that, listen, even, even if I'm wrong about my assumptions about that, I, I I believe that even if I'm wrong about that, I, I, I want to at least do what I can to affect what's around me, and if I'm wrong and a trumpet sounds tomorrow, and it's different than I'm teaching. Than I, I'm going with you. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm out of here just like anybody else. So if we're wrong about this, uh, you know, the only, on, the only requirement, uh, you know, would be to be born again. And so therefore, you know, I, but my mandate is occupy. Jesus said this occupy. So that means it's a military term. If I'd say to you occupy. Uh, Germany, uh, then that would mean take over. And I believe that what God is saying is He's raising up people that are going to enter into arenas of the kingdom and begin to infiltrate uh, the entertainment industry. They're going to begin to I- infiltrate politics. I believe God is raising up people in our local churches that can be magistrates and judges and, and presidents and senators and congressmen and begin to change the things. You know, our, our country was founded by forefathers who were believers, and when you go back and you really read their memoirs, and you read what they wrote, astoundingly it was a people who were really desiring to see the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, the new world that was discovered was discovered because somebody had a kingdom mentality that wanted to see uh, the kingdom of God expanded outside of the borders of Europe and all over those areas. And they came with an expectancy uh, to find the new world. And when they came to the United States, they came because they wanted to celebrate the freedom of religion and their newfound uh, revelation uh, of Jesus and, 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 and begin to bring the kingdom. And the principles of this great nation were what's founded on one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. And even on the great Liberty Bell in Philadelphia, uh, is the words of the uh, declaration for the year of Jubilee that it has the Scripture written on it to declare liberty throughout the land. That's what God, I believe, is wanting to do is restore a church back to where the, it, it, it becomes the real salt. It becomes the real light. If it doesn't, it'll be good for nothing to be trampled underfoot. I'm passionate about this. I want to see the kingdom of God manifested. And If I'm wrong, I'll just stand before God one day and He'll, he'll just look at me and say, Son, you just tried too hard. Thanks for believing me big. Thanks for believing my authority, but I just didn't. Let me tell you, I'm going to preach a great big God. I'm going to preach a wee little defeated devil, and I'm going to preach it until somebody believes it and we begin to act on this stuff and change circumstances all around us. But when he began to talk about a throne set in heaven, I believe he's talking about uh, this, this dominion idea, this executing the kingdom. He has one that's set there like a jasper stone at a sardine. And there was a rainbow around about the throne in sight like a new emerald. Now, I probably won't get beyond the the, uh, emerald today. But uh, to me, when I see this rainbow around the throne, the first usage of the word rainbow is in the book of Genesis. And I believe it speaks of a covenant. In Genesis uh, chapter number 9, let me just go ahead and and turn there and... and, uh, Genesis, the ninth chapter, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Now, Noah's name means rest. I think it's incredible that his name means rest because this powerfully pictures to me the mandate. In other words, he's making a connection to a rainbow. The first usage of this word rainbow, is when He comes off of this ark. Now let me just read for you for a moment. And it goes on to say, And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moves upon the earth, upon all the fish of the sea. And to your hand they are delivered, God renews his dominion mandate. Every morning, every moving thing that lives shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall you not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, will I require at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of a man. Whoso shed man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he him. And you, be ye fruitful, and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth. and and multiply therein. I love the Message Bible uh, on this particular verse, verse 7. It says, uh, uh, it says, it, it says, whoever sheds human blood, by humans let his blood be shed, because God made humans in His image, reflecting God's very nature. You are to bear fruit, reproduce, live life, lavish life on the earth, and live bountifully. That was God's, that was God's mandate and desire is that we would live life lavishly on the earth, the abundant life on every level. It goes on to say, Be fruitful, multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply therein. And God spoke unto Noah and said to him and his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl of the cattle, with the fowl, of the fowl, of the cattle, and of every beast of the earth with you. And from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth will I establish my covenant. With, neither shall any flesh be cut off anymore. He goes on to say, and I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of a flood, neither shall there be any more a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh, and the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. And the sons of Noah went forth out of the ark, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham, his father of Canaan." Now I'm telling you, when you see a rainbow in Revelation 4, get the imagery here. you got a throne speaks of dominion, speaks of rulership, speaks of the kingdom, the present reality of the kingdom. And now we've got a man who looks like a jasper. He's a red man. He's, a, he, he's the man Christ Jesus, and yet I believe you could also see, seated with Him, and you'll see that when we talk about the four and twenty elders, seated with Him in the place of rulership is the fulfillment of the promise He made to the church at Laodicea, to Him that overcomes. I'll grant Him to sit with me in my throne. That's the place of rulership, folks executing the judgment that is already written and ruling and reigning with Christ right here, I believe, in this present earth. But when you see a rainbow, it is the token or the symbol of a covenant. It is the covenant of peace. It is God saying, look, this is the covenant that I'm going to make with every living creature. With that in mind, I also wanted to go over and look at something in Isaiah chapter, Isaiah chapter number. 54. In Isaiah chapter number 54, verse number 1, it says, Sing, O barren, and thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing, and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail, with shout, for more are the children of the desolate than she, than, than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles. And make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded. For thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt not forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The God of all the earth shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, and the wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith God, for a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. And a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thou remember. Now watch this. This is the powerful verse. Verse number nine. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee, for the mountains shall depart the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. And I want you to see that when he says that this is as the waters of Noah to me. I will never be angry with you again. And I read this, you're going to break forth on the right hand. You're going to break forth on the left hand. You're going to increase. You're going to stretch the curtains of your tent. You're going to possess the gates of your enemies. The desolate cities will be inhabited. God is going to use this people of covenant to uh, expand His kingdom. But when He says, this is as the waters of Noah to me, I'm thinking, what would be like the waters of Noah? Well, the waters of Noah, is. Isaiah 53 is the chapter above that. When it says, He who has believed our report, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when you shall see him, there is no beauty that you would desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and esteemed we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, with whose stripes we are healed. For we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one into his own way, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. I submit to you in Isaiah 54, when he said, This is as the waters of Noah to me. that what he's saying is, the waters of Noah, in other words, I picture the death of Jesus and His redemptive work, just like I viewed the waters of Noah. When I think about the ark, the ark was a picture of Christ. Jesus Christ is our ark. He is our vehicle out of an old world dominated by sin and into a new world where the curse has been reversed. I think it's interesting that they land on a mountain called Ararat when their ark comes to rest and that ark lands on a mountain called Ararat which means the curse is reversed. The ark, God told Noah to make it, He said thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. The word pitch it there Is the Hebrew word Kephar that we translate atonement? So when we get in this boat called Christ, it is the blood of Jesus and his atoning work that seals us in and seals out the world. It becomes our vehicle out of a world of curse and into a new world where the curse has been reversed with a renewed mandate to take dominion, just like we read to you a little bit ago about what God's mandate was to Noah. I don't think it's an accident that Noah lets an ark go out of the a bird go out of the ark. And uh, when it comes to rest, and that bird flies all the way through the Scriptures, lands in the book of Revelation where Babylon has become the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. But the, the dove only has to fly to the book of Matthew, chapter 3, where it lands on Jesus when He's coming up out of the waters of baptism. And when that dove lands on Jesus in the middle of the Jordan River after He comes up out of the water, if you could hear it like that, the flood waters, the waters of Jordan, the dove lands on him, what the dove was saying to John the Baptist is right here is the olive branch. Right here is the new world. Right here is where the curse is reversed. I submit to you that that's what he's saying in Revelation 4, as that this throne room and this kingdom is a people that have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and they're standing in a new world with dominion and saying, I will never be wroth with you or angry with you again. That's the covenant that brings this kingdom into operation. We are out of time. Man, it goes fast. Take a moment, call that number on the screen. Sow a seed into the ministry, it is your faithful partnership that helps us take the gospel around the world. Consider becoming a partner with us and call that number on the screen or go to our website and sow a seed in that way. God bless, thanks for tuning in. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.